Deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Tuesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we reeled in a big, big fish. Championship weekend is in the books. Two teams remain, and that means we are on to Senior Bowl week. And we've got Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, on tap for this edition, this Tuesday, January the 26th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And practices for the Senior Bowl will begin today on NFL Network. The next three days, they will televise those practices. Brian Flores and the entire Miami Dolphins coaching staff will be out there. And we conclude with the game on Saturday. That kicks off at 2 o'clock Eastern. And we're going to jump into my interview with Jim Nagy here in just one second. But first, some Dolphins coaching news. Over the weekend, the Dolphins made a change to the staff at the quarterback position. Charlie Fry, you might recognize that name from his playing days back with the Cleveland Browns, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Oakland Raiders. He has been named the Dolphins quarterback's coach as the Dolphins also parted ways with the man that held that position in 2020 and Robbie Brown. Now, his most recent stop for Charlie Fry was as the offensive coordinator at Central Michigan in the MAC, MAC Tuesday, baby, one of my favorite college days of the entire week. He led the Chippewas offense to 218.2 rushing yards per game this past season, and in 2019, they gained 6,070 total yards. That was the most in the Mid-American Conference. As the coaching staff starts to round out here for the 2021 season, Brian Flores is third here in Miami. Let's go ahead and waste no more time on this edition of Drive Time and welcome in my guest, Jim Nagy. And riding shotgun now on the Drive Time podcast is the director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He was a scout in the NFL for 18 years. Jim Nagy, Jim, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, Travis, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it was nice to meet you last year in Indianapolis. Was hoping to get a chance to do that again, but that's that's not going to happen this year. But um, we, we do get a, to enjoy the festivities of Senior Bowl because of what it's become in terms of the, the national uh, broadcast and all the stuff that goes along with it. And, and Jim, I had mentioned this on Twitter, but man, these rosters just continue to get beefier and beefier each year. Dane Brugler, one of the good draft writers over at The Athletic, mentioned that 40 of his top 100 players on his first big board will be descending on Mobile this week. How have you and your team been able to make this event such a draw for some of the big names who maybe in the past would have passed on the opportunity to come to Mobile? Uh, yeah, Travis, I appreciate you saying that. You know, we, we really, uh, when we got here almost three years ago now, it's our third game cycle, uh, really wanted to uh, put the focus on the tape. And uh, we never had tape here at the Senior Bowl, so we had to jump through a lot of hoops at the league office and, and uh, get the tape that all the 32 NFL teams do so we can download anything we want, uh, which has been huge. You know, we've hired a scouting staff of guys that have scouted in the league before just to get some veteran eyes on these players and uh, really try to run this thing like a, you know, like a, a real personnel department. And uh, so that's, that we've worked really hard at that. End. And then also using the social media has been really big with us in terms of connecting with players early and we'll start watching tape for next year's game here in just in just in probably two or three weeks um, <laughs> after this year's game is over. 
And so, uh, you know, we'll start cranking out content um, for the 2022 draft, even before the 2021 draft gets here. You, um, you know, it's important. It's, it's important to connect with these guys early. Uh, let them know that we're looking at them. And really the, the other part of it is just changing that narrative, Travis, that you talked about. Um, to me, our game has more value for the first round picks than these, than like the, the middle round guys that can play their way up. That hasn't been like the, the popular uh, mindset in the past. And I think it needs to be, you know, Terry McLaurin came to the game a couple of years ago as a fifth or sixth round pick, um, had a great week down here, turned everyone inside out. Nobody could handle him. And he went in the third round. So that that's a huge jump for a player, you know, um, and in hindsight, Terry should have been a first round pick, but um you know, but for if you go from 24 to 18, or if you go from 36 to 29, I mean, those jumps that you make more more money making those jumps than you do jumping two or three rounds later in the draft. So, to me, if you're sitting there at 21 and you could get to 14, I mean, that yeah, that's like seven or eight million dollars yeah. <laughs> just to like just to put in like three days of work. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just trying to create that mindset. They've been around the game for a long, long time. I really do feel like this game benefits those those top round guys, those first round guys more so than anyone. I'm glad you brought up Terry McLaurin because even watching him on the television broadcast and, and just watching, you know, the way he looked on the field, man, that was fun to watch. Uh, Debo Samuel, another guy that comes to mind that really kind of did well for his stock. And then Javon Kinlaw last year, I think he had, what, one day of practice and and he winds up, you know, showing everybody, okay, he's one of the best players on the football field out here. So it's it's so much fun to watch those one-on-one drills and and what, what goes on the week of practice. But this year, the Dolphins... Well, Trav- could- Travis, let me cut you off there since we're talking Dolphins. Sure. Um, on last year's board, we had three def- defensive tackles at the top of the board. We had Derek Brown one, we had Javon Kinlaw two, and we had Raekwon Davis. Like he he and he and Kinlaw were like touching each other on the board. They were that they were that close. One guy came to Mobile, the other guy was committed to Mobile and and pulled out the day three hours before he's supposed to get on a flight. And Kinlaw goes fourteen, and Raekwon went what somewhere in the late fifties or something like that. Yep. So, um, and you look at what Raekwon did on the field; he had a great rookie year. He's a great football player, but pulling out as late as he did and not showing himself in front of these thirty-two decision makers that really impacted where he got drafted. So, um, I think that's a perfect example of what this week can do for guys and and how it can hurt them if they choose not to play. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Raekwon Davis. Uh, you know, Coach Flores, when he drafted, when when Raekwon got drafted, Coach Flores was was caught on camera with a little bit of a smile on his face there, and he certainly, uh, uh, you know, proved why that smile was on his face in the second half of the season. He played really well, like you mentioned. And and you talk about this Dolphins coaching staff who's going to be coaching the national team in the game next Saturday. Uh, what was that conversation like with you and your old friend, Brian Flores? You guys go way back when you offered him that, him and his staff that spot. What was that conversation like? Well, it's not us, Travis. It's the NFL League office. So okay. the football operations on, on Park Avenue pick our teams. Um, they go they go with the draft order. So, um, yeah, Flo and I talked about it last year, and I was really hopeful they would get the game last year. Uh, it didn't work out, and it was great that it worked out that way this year. So um, it's been phenomenal. Like I, I've said, he's one of my closest friends in football. He's one of my favorite people um, I've ever connected with. And then, you know, I, I'm friends with Chris Greer, and I worked, and I'm really good friends with Marvin Allen, who I worked uh, we all worked in New England together, Marvin and, and uh, Brian and I. So it's been a great group to work with. Those guys have been awesome. They've been completely low maintenance. They've been interactive. Um, we've had some hits on the roster the last couple of weeks with injuries and uh, just working through trying to bring guys they want to see. Uh, you know, we picked the rosters initially, but but once we get the teams on, 
I don't want to bring players in that they don't they don't want to coach. So um, it's always good when you're kind of in lockstep and we've we've agreed on all these guys. But the communication's been great. Um, we could, couldn't ask for anything better. I kind of wish we could have the Panthers and the Dolphins coach this game every year because it's, it's been a really good two weeks. Uh, that's awesome to hear. And, and whether it's going off of what you've heard from previous coaching staffs or just what you've seen, you know, with your own eyes, Jim, what are the real benefits? Like for a fan that, that knows a little bit about the senior bowl, but doesn't really have the intimate knowledge, what are the true benefits of a coaching staff being able to be down there and get these kids in meetings and practices and in the film room and all that stuff? What's the true benefit for this Dolphin staff to be there for, you know, these hundreds of kids down there? Yeah, it's 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 tremendous value any year, and, and probably more so this year. Uh, sure. I can just draw back to two years ago uh, when the Raiders coached the game. They had eight players from the Senior Bowl on their opening day roster the next year. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's 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 everything. You know, it's it, it's in tra- it's at training table. It's you know being in the locker room. It's being in the meeting room. Um, you're seeing which guys pay attention, which guys show up on time. You know how guys learn, how they respond to coaching. Um, being on the practice field in one-on-ones when they take reps back to back and, you know, all these guys are going to lose during the week at some point. So you see how those guys bounce back and their mental toughness and just how much guys love football and how, how invested they are in the process. And, uh, so the, those takeaways, the behind the scenes stuff that you don't see at practice or in the game and the, and the other teams don't have, you know, the opportunity to get is, uh, is, is so valuable because, uh, you know, not where we're at with the NFL right now these guys got to show up ready to be a pro. Um, the league isn't waiting for them to, to do that. They got to show up ready to go. And, uh, and they'll, they'll see all that stuff, you know, coaching the, these players this week. I think that might be a good segue to my next question for you, because we, we ask that question all the time. Like, what is the benefit for the Dolphins coaching staff to be down there? But, you know, as, as you mentioned, being someone that knows Coach Flores and the Dolphins coaching staff, what's the benefit these players have of playing under a coach like Brian Flores? Yeah, it's great value for our players, too, to, to be coached by any staff. You know, sure. it's just the NFL is a different league. So whether it's practice tempo or how meetings are run or, you know, installs of a playbook, a, you know, a pro-style offense is, is – I think it's morphing a little bit. I think the NFL's taken a little more from the college game than in the past. But but still, everything's different, you know. And the, the thing about Brian's staff – and there's some guys on that stuff I'm not really familiar with, but um, I know Brian's a great teacher, and I know that uh, – you know, that, I'm, I'm, I know that's important to him when he, when he hires coaches. So uh, I'm sure that all those guys are great teachers. So it's great for our players. I mean, a week exposure is a long time. We're not talking about like a day or two. So so to get a week with this staff um, and learn from them, they're going to leave. They're going to leave Mobile better football players than when they came here. I want to go ahead and continue up on that with, with Brian Flores because, like I mentioned, we spoke in Indianapolis last year coming off a 5-11 and 11 season, and, you know, the Dolphins were – they had so many draft picks and so much free agent capital they could – or, you know, salary cap capital that they could go out and improve the roster. I'm curious to get your take, Jim, on how you saw kind of this whole thing come together under Brian Flores and what you saw from the beginning of his vision and where the team is now, a 10-win season going into year three here with, again, more draft capital and more uh, free agent money to spend. Uh, yeah, Brian's made me look smart because when they <laughs> hired him, it was my first, it was my first year at the senior bowl and they just hired him. And, and a couple people at the opening press conference asked me about Brian and I, I kind of gushed on him and, uh, you know, you have friends in the league that you're, you're good friends with, but, um, like I wouldn't say, I wouldn't have said those things just because we're friends. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's certain guys that are great position coaches or great coordinators that might not, not necessarily make a great head coach. Um, but I've always felt Brian was that guy, even, even, you know, back to our early days in new England, like I, you could see that in him. 
Um, and I'll say this, like, I, I don't get a chance to watch an NF, a lot of NFL uh, stuff during the fall because we're so focused on the college game. Um, but I've looked over the roster and they, they had a nice draft last year and they added some guys. But um, on paper, that's not a 10 win football team. You know, that's that's really a credit to, to Coach Flores and his staff and what they got out of that football team this year. So they still have plenty of needs in, with the draft capital that they have, like you talked about. Um, and as good as Marvin and Chris are on the, on the personnel side and their scouting staff, they do a great job. Um, it's exciting to see where, where Miami's going to be in two years when, it, when this roster is going to look a lot different. Yeah, kind of like the, the college coach taking over a program, right? Once he gets all of his guys in there, then you can kind of truly judge what his his full vision is in terms of how the program looks under his direction. And, you know, we talk about Brian Flores a lot on this podcast on MiamiDolphins.com, whatever it is, as a guy that has done so many jobs in the NFL. And you mentioned the scouting background with him back in New England. What, what was Brian Flores the evaluator like? And how does that kind of help him, you know, excel in this role where he does so many multiple things and wears the multiple hats like a head coach has to do? Well, again, like I know Brian's a good evaluator because we've always talked about players together. But uh, honestly, when we were together in New England, before before Coach Belichick was smart enough to uh, reach upstairs into the front office and, and yank Brian downstairs to coaching, <laughs> um, he was he was a, a scouting assistant. Man, he was filing report the reports that that us the, the scouts were writing. You know, he was he and uh, Pat Stewart, who's now uh, you know one of the top dogs in Carolina. That's why it's been fun having Carolina because Pat Stewart who uh, Matt Rule handpicked last year to uh, head up his personnel department. He and he and Flo were the two who were our two scouting assistants those couple of years. So um, no, and both those guys are great. You know, you knew it. You kind of know if a guy has the eye or not right away, it shouldn't take that long to know if a guy's going to be a good evaluator. Obviously you can hone your craft and you get better. The more players you see, because you build out that Rolodex of players. Um, but you, you know, you can talk players with guys early on and, and kind of see if they have an eye for it or if they don't. Um, and, and Brian definitely did from uh, right from the jump in New England. Yeah, it's you know you talk about that. It's fun to see what the industry has become in terms of all the people that are interested in scouting nowadays. It's it just it's beneficial for all of us because I think it gives us you know even more people to choose from in terms of who does get in those positions. But let's go ahead and transition now back towards the week at, at Mobile and talk about this game. Uh, you know, scouts and coaches are going to be there, d- decision makers. What exactly are they looking for this week? Like, I'm, I'm curious, Jim, what's the process of an organization as they all descend upon Mobile? They get their, their eyes on the field, their eyes on the player. They get the meetings and all the fun stuff that goes along with that. And then they convene afterwards. What do those conversations sound like in terms of what they take away from the entire week in Mobile? Uh, Travis, it's, it's everything, man. Honestly, they, they are looking for everything. And I tell the players at orientation, uh, the, the first night they come to town, I tell them, guys, you're, you're on watch the entire time you're here. You're being evaluated every time, every time you get in front of these guys, whether it's walking from, uh, you know, training table to the, to the elevator, go back up to your room. These scouts are, are hanging out in the hallways and they're watching how you do stuff. So, um, like in pre-practice, like our guys just, you know, monkeying around or are they focused on what they're doing? Um, you look like we talked about bouncing back from, from mental mistakes. They're looking for that stuff. They're seeing who loses two reps in a row and who bounces back that second rep and, and gets after somebody. Um, so it's, it's a full takeaway. The interviews is a big part of how those guys perform in the interviews. Um, and it's a lot of the stuff you can't get on the tape, right? And, and this is a huge year for that. Yeah. So all these, all these decision makers, I've only spoken to um, a couple GMs in the entire league that actually went and saw college football players this fall. 
And because, uh, you know, if they did that, well, then they couldn't re-enter their team's bubble and go to the game on Sunday. Right. So a couple, of, a couple of guys chose to do that this year. But, but by and large, these guys are coming down here and seeing these players for the very first time. So, you know, I think the, uh, you know, the eyeball test, the body type is a really underrated part of the evaluation process. Just looking for growth potential and how a guy is built. I mean, there's little takeaways. We could, we could probably do a whole podcast session on that, but, uh, <laughs> but there, there is, this is a big year for that. You know, these guys haven't been seen yet. So um, it's everything, man. They're, they're going to be have their eyes open and in, uh, their eyes open and their ears open at all times while they're down here. Jim, you're teeing me up well here because I wanted to go ahead and mention one of my favorite Saturday traditions from you on Twitter is when you're on the field and you're, you're looking at a player in warmups. I love seeing the way they move and the, and the size of those guys next to normal sized human beings, right? It's always one of my favorite things. I just, I'm so fascinated by the entire process of evaluation. So it's, it's cool to see you have that access. And I want to finish with this because you mentioned you could talk for an entire podcast just about this. I could turn this into a Joe Rogan three hour long podcast in a blink if I had asked you everything I had for you here, but we'll keep it brief. And I know it's not easy for you to select names from these loaded groups, but who are some of the names you're going to see out there this week, throughout the week that you personally cannot wait to see on the field? Um, I mean, really the answer is all of them. Um, For me, (laughs) this is uh, tomorrow when the players arrive on on Saturday. That's, that's truly my favorite day of the whole year. Um, It's just, it's so exciting to get these guys here. We've been tracking them for so long and you know, once they accept, we really connect with them. And, and uh, so to get them here is great. But I'm excited. I'm always excited to see the smaller school guys. Right. Um, I mean, this game is great for for everybody. But, you know, these smaller school guys like the Dylan Radins from North Dakota State, who's an offensive tackle, Spencer Brown, another offensive tackle from Northern Iowa, um, Robert Rochelle, a corner from Central Arkansas. These guys are day two guys right now. And I'm just curious to see how high they can get. Um you know, right now, Radens and uh, Spencer are rated on our board. We got those guys higher than we had Titus Howard a couple of years ago, um, the tackle from Alabama State. And Titus came down here and tore it up all week and, and went 23rd overall to the Houston Texans. So um, I'm just curious to see how those, how, how those guys can climb. Similar to like Jeremy Chin last year yeah. from Southern, uh, Southern Illinois. And, uh, you know, Jeremy's going to be in the mix for Defensive Rookie of the Year this year. I know he won the Defensive Rookie of the Month in October and November. So, um, and he went late in the second to Carolina. So I know one of these guys is going to pop and do that. And hopefully all of them will. But uh, I always love watching those small school guys get the big stage. You know, talking to my audience now, I did not send Jim my notes pre-show here. But my next question was about small school under the radar guys. So checking those boxes off for me, Jim, I appreciate it. One of my, one of my, <laughs> fa- you mentioned your favorite day is when they arrive. I love the, the, the helmet stickers that I don't recognize. I'm like, where is that school? And then Charles Davis comes on TV and tells me all about the kid, where he played his high school ball, his wrestling background, all that fun stuff. Man, if you can't tell by the excitement of my voice, it's my favorite week of the year when it comes to the evaluation. It's, it's so much fun to see. I'll, I'll leave you with this question, Jim. You wound up getting Devonta Smith and Najee Harris at the end, kind of a late pusher to get those guys to the game. How many high fives were you guys having around the building down there when you got both those guys in the game? Yeah. And Mac Jones too. Those were, uh, those were, those were fun ones, but we have a bell in the office. Um, we put a bell in the office two years ago. Uh, the first year I was down here, we put a bell in the office and we ring it every time a guy, we get an acceptance, uh, back, we get an acceptance email and, uh, we get somebody on the bell to ring that thing. And, uh, and, uh, it's fun, man. It's, it's really fun. I, I was never part of the college game, but I can only imagine it's like landing a five-star prospect. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the cool part is the phone calls, you know, calling these guys up, 
when we, you know, through the fall process, we'll send the invites to the head coach like we do every year. That's kind of our protocol and uh, leave it up to the coaches at their discretion when they want to disseminate the invites. But once we get through the season, you can, you can connect directly with these guys. And uh, man, we've had some tears over the past couple of weeks with some guys that were so, um, you know, just blown away and, and, you know, overwhelmed by the emotion of it. And then, so those are cool moments. And then for a guy like Najee, you know, getting Najee on the phone the other day, I was like, Hey man, I know he's beat up right now. He's got a, he's got an ankle that he's working through. And, uh, I said, you know, Najee, we'll, we'll work with you on the ankle. We'll try to get you right. He's like, he's like, coach, I'm coming there to compete. And uh, you can hear it in his voice. It was a, it was a pretty cool moment. Um, so I know Najee's, uh, he's fired up. So yeah, they're all great, man. They're all great. But yeah, with those, for those Crimson Tide guys, um, it's always big down here in Mobile, Alabama, because our fans love them. Sure. Um, but when you can get the Heisman Trophy winner and a guy like Najee Harris and a guy like Mac Jones, who's going to be a first-round pick, um, those, are, those are pretty cool. That's, that's really awesome, Jim. I really appreciate that. Jim Nagy, the director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Again, appreciate your time and definitely your work to get this game and this week to what it is now. Like I said, Jim, one of my favorite weeks on the entire calendar. And try not to eat too many peanut butter cups over the next week, all right, my friend? All right, Travis, I appreciate you uh, having me on today and uh, look forward to seeing you. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll talk to you soon there, Jim. Yeah, safe travels. And away he goes. Very lucky to get Jim here on the Drive Time Podcast. He was one of my first interviews in this job when I was, again, fortunate enough to flag him down at the Scouting Combine last year and talk to him on one of the very first episodes. Might have been the very first episode of the Drive Time Podcast as well as the team's YouTube page with video clips at the Combine last year. Those were a lot of fun to do. Hopefully we can get back to doing those here in the very near future. And with the Senior Bowl starting off today with the practices, let's go ahead and take a look at the rosters this year. And you know what? Before we do that, I mentioned the connection off the top of the podcast there with Charlie Fry and Tua Tungavailoa. And first things first, you have to be encouraged by that because I think you look around the league over the years and the quarterbacks that did not pan out, and I think oftentimes there's a correlation between those players and the organizations they played for with a bit of a failure to surround their young quarterback with all the resources you need for him to be successful. And I get there's a chunk of the population out there that will say, hey, no excuses, don't baby the kid. He either is or is not the guy. And I could not disagree with that sentiment more than I do. You go out and buy a Ferrari, and I'm not a car guy, so forgive the very generic car example here, and you put regular unleaded gas in the gas tank, and you buy plastic hubs from Walmart, no, you don't do that. You feed that thing premium fuel, and you put top-of-the-line accessories on the vehicle. Same deal with the quarterback. How often do we talk about the connection between a coaching staff or even a GM and the quarterback? Traditionally speaking, those positions all kind of succeed together or they fail together. So protecting your investment by giving him every single resource he needs is absolutely paramount. And I think that's what you'll see this year with Tunga Vailoa. And what does that market offer? We're going to get into free agency at a later date here on the podcast when it's a bit more prevalent. But if you just scour that list, there are a lot of name brands scheduled to hit the market this offseason. And how many of them actually will remains a big mystery, of course. But there are attractive names and fits up and down that list at receiver as well as the running back position. But since it's Senior Bowl week, let's go ahead and take a look at these rosters and start with where I left off asking Jim at the end there 
about getting the guys off the national champion Crimson Tide team. Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith, an author of 4 million touchdowns over his career at Alabama, Najee Harris. Smith first is absolutely pure and seamless as a route runner. He transitions in and out of his breaks, attacks leverage, plays a lot bigger and tougher than his frame suggests, and has outstanding feel, body control, hand-eye coordination, and makes tough catches look routine. He is a special, special player. Then there's Najee Harris, who features a rare, rare blend of lateral agility, but also straight-ahead power, an absolute monster in the passing game out of the backfield. You can give him an 80% snap count workload because of that versatility. He changes angles on pursuing tacklers, converts short yardage, and can hit the big run. I wanted to get both those two guys off the top. Let's go ahead and go over the rest of the roster here and start with the quarterbacks. We're not going to go by team, just by the quarterbacks at the game in general. And on the American squad, Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask, and Jamie Newman, some interesting players there, probably more day three prospects off that list, but these guys have a chance to help improve their stock. A couple of these guys can push the football down the field. Kellen Mond, a very athletic mobile quarterback who improved over his time at A&M and had a big season here in his final season with Texas A&M. Curious to get a look at those quarterbacks on the practice field as well as the quarterbacks Miami will be coaching and Sam Ellinger at Texas, Ian Book from Notre Dame, and Felipe Franks from Arkansas. Ellinger has kind of that twitchy, athletic playmaker type of trait that you like as far as being able to escape pressure and getting off the spot there. And Ian Book kind of in that same mold, but both have to kind of prove themselves more this week, I think, as a pocket passer. At the running back position, you look at the Dolphins roster here. We talked about Najee Harris. Michael Carter out of North Carolina, a name that I'm very intrigued by in terms of his pass-catching ability. And he can run the football too, part of a very nice one-two punch there at North Carolina this past season. On the other squad, some attractive names as well. Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. That guy is a very complete type of player as well. I'll be curious to get a look at his skill set on the practice field. At the tight end position... I curry favor here to Kenny Yaboa, the tight end out of Ole Miss, who just has the athletic build and traits to be able to kind of be that guy that can come in and play the F, play the Y, flex out wide, play receiver as well. But he can do some work in the passing game and the running game that you like as well. At the receiver position, both these groups are very deep and very good. I really love myself some Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Talked about him throughout the course of the season, tweeting some videos of him and showing you what he can do. That guy's electricity in a bottle as far as getting off the top of the route. He can really break some ankles, turn guys around. You're going to see him get some one-on-one reps where he turns guys completely around at the Senior Bowl. Shai Smith out of South Carolina, another guy that has great body control and feel for, for the holes in the zone coverage, that type of thing. Catches the football very seamlessly as well. Amari Rogers out of Clemson, another big name there. And then on the Dolphins squad here, the national squad at the receiver position, I sure do like Tylen Wallace's game out of Oklahoma State. He can certainly make guys miss in the open field, has that thick lower half build that can kind of be your jet sweep guy. He can take carries out of the backfield, catch screen passes, but also can get vertical as well. Sage Surratt out of Wake Forest. He has some nice route running ability and smooth separation skill set there as well. So you look at these receiver groups as far as talking about building around your young quarterback, guys that can separate, guys that can win quickly, guys that can make big plays after the catch because we know this quarterback is going to put the receiver in position where the ball's accurate on target in stride on some deep shots some vertical shots you get guys that can make that catch and then make the defense pay after the catch that's a big big benefit a big big boom to support two atonga by lower strengths i think there are plenty of guys in this class in this game that feature both those traits in spades
You look along the offensive line here, some small school kids kind of stand out. You heard Jim Nagy talk about the North Dakota tackle, Dylan Redunce. He has some special, special traits where he can get to the second level and white bodies off in the running game. Also solid in pass protection. You also like the Wisconsin Whitewater kid. He's got some some pop here the last couple of weeks. Quinn Minores out of Wisconsin Whitewater. Some similar traits there. And then Creed Humphrey at Oklahoma will be on the Dolphins national squad as well to get an up-close look at him. He's a captain type of player, a very a very strong leader, a guy that can anchor and pass pro, pass off the games, very intelligent offensive lineman in the middle there for the Oklahoma offense for a number of years at Oklahoma. On the other side, Trey Smith out of Tennessee, one of the most imposing physically gifted players in this entire draft class. He had some medical concerns early in his college career, came back this year, proved himself, played more games at Tennessee. That guy's a possible first round talent with his ability to get push in the running game. Also on that American squad, Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama, a possible first round pick. Deontay Brown, a massive, massive guard, 350 pounds there. A huge frame that helps him play big at that position as well. So more options in the trenches on offense. We flip it over to the trenches on the defensive side of the football in the American squad. Kansas State's Wyatt Hubert. This guy's an effort player that plays with strength, with power, and plays the run on the way to the quarterback. Was a big fan of his in 2019. He came back in 2020 to play this final season here at Kansas State and produced once again. Marvin Wilson, a defensive tackle inside for that Florida State squad. This guy is a big, powerful player that can get some quickness off the snap as well and win that way. So you got your options there in terms of physicality versus speed. On the national squad, the Dolphins team, Jonathan Cooper out of Ohio State. He had a fantastic season this year. Really helped kind of pick up the, the slack there for Chase Young when he went to the NFL last season out of Ohio State. Good pass rusher, good five technique off the edge there and can condense inside as well. Out of Washington, Levi Unwuzerke, the defensive lineman out of Washington. He can really get some push and just toss bodies around. He is so strong and so stout at the point of attack as both a pass rusher and a run defender and has some versatility that way as well. Teron Jackson out of Coastal Carolina, another similar player that has that long, big, strong build that we talk about here on the podcast a lot. And Shaka Tony out of Penn State. This guy is a pure pass rusher as well. Love to see a look at him in terms of what he can do getting after the quarterback this week in those one-on-one drills. Then at the linebacker position, one of my favorite players in this game, Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina. Kind of that modern blend of linebacker where he can do some safety stuff and some linebacker stuff down around the line of scrimmage, both in coverage, the run game, and as a pass rusher, blitzing off the edge or inside. The other squad, the uh, American squad, Patty Fisher out of Northwestern, kind of your B-gap to B-gap slammer, the guy that can come in there and defend the run that way. Also, Monty Rice out of Georgia. That guy has a quick trigger, good pursuit, good effort, good tackling, a guy that I think will will really show out well this week at the Senior Bowl. And then finally, in the defensive backfield, a couple of names I'm really intrigued to get a look at this week. Tyree Gillespie out of Missouri. That guy can come down and lay the wood as a box defender, but also play off in two high, three high, single high structures. And then maybe, remember Obi Melifonwu out of Connecticut? His brother, Ifutu Melifonwu, is going to be in this game this week. I can't get a can't wait to get a look at that kid and his athletic traits. We're going to cover this game and the practices and, and get some quotes from Coach Flores and the Dolphins coaching staff throughout the course of this week. So keep it locked here on the Drive Time Podcast to get a listen and a look at some of the prospects, coaches, and what happens this week down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. As for this edition of the Drive Time Podcast, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out 
out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. Last week on the Audible, they had Zach Th- or uh, Jason Taylor on the podcast to talk about Zach Thomas's Hall of Fame prospects. Don't miss that. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.